The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. As sports keeps coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball's back, and BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right. Visit BetOnline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. And don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back-to-sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Uh, a disappointing loss to the Utah Jazz on opening night, uh, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on TNT. However, we've got our friends on the Bird Calls podcast to talk about it. I am your host and contributor, Preston Ellis, to thebirdrights.com and Bleacher Report. Uh, it was a tough one, but we're going to break it down. We're going to get right into it with uh, both Kevin Berrios and David Grubb. Remember, you can find them at Kevin B for Bounce and at DM Grubb. We'll start with the host of Hard in the Paint. Uh, you can find his podcast pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, however, start at Spotify. Make sure you rate it and subscribe to it. David, uh, everybody wants to know about Zion. So before we get to the game, let's just talk about Zion. He played 15 minutes. He played three minutes to start every quarter. I think maybe five in the final quarter. However, the final possession of the game, six seconds. You'd think you could send him back out there just as a decoy. What were your thoughts on the the whole Zion situation? I'm I'm surprised. I thought that it was pretty much a given that he would probably get 25 to 28. Um, But when they started using terms like reconditioning, that felt weird. And I will say Zion did not look as toned tonight as he did when we first saw him, you know, in the pictures. So I don't know if if that really was a factor. Um, But if the medical team is being that hard and that serious on these calls for his minutes and saying, no, he can't go back in the game, then I, I understand why people want to know more. Um, but I also understand that David Griffin really does not give a, you know, I'll say it, he doesn't give a fuck about this in the short term. He's got two months after this to get this team back on the floor, and he's not going to risk it all for Zion in a season where they're not going to win a championship. And that would have been the case had we finished the season in, in, May, in April. Now, Kevin, uh, Gentry was quick to cite the medical team as the reason that he only played Zion 15 minutes. And we've heard this before. Why isn't Zion closing the game? And because the medical team doesn't want him sitting for long periods of time. Like, let's say that you start the third quarter, then you could be potentially sitting for anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and and, and 15 minutes. Uh, Kevin, what was your take on on starting the fourth quarter versus ending it? I mean, I don't know. It's so tough. We were, we were, you know, it would have worked out perfectly if they could have held that lead and you wouldn't have to worry about it. But, um, you know, it's kind of hard to bring in a guy that bring in a guy that cold where you sit him for that long and then stick him in. So I can understand that situation. I, in, but I understand the frustration of the fans. But at the same time, you know, we were plagued with one of the worst training staffs in probably the history of the league. 
uh, for years. Now we got the best. So I'm just going to trust what they're, what they're doing and what they believe is the right way to handle them. I mean, you know, I'm not going to be out here sounding like anti-maskers or something yelling at the doctors for doing their job. Um, so I think we just got to put faith in it and let it roll from there. I mean, I understand your concern, like your idea of like, Hey, there's a couple seconds left. The game's on the line. Can you throw them back out there for a minute or two? That seems like a justified question. Um, but if it's a hard cap and they're sticking with the hard cap and they're not giving Gentry any leeway, there's nothing he can do about it. And, uh, you know, I'm going to default to their expertise because of their track record. All right. I know how I'm going to cheer everybody up. So I'm going to go ahead and give Kevin uh, a heads up. I'm going to send you the ad for Manscaped. So you are going to read this Manscaped ad. Uh, I'm going to send it to you now as uh, David Grubb answers this next question. So get prepared. I think it's going to bring a smile to everybody's face. Thanks for uh, those questions. Oh, my God. How am I? Ernie Ballard and Joey Homrughausen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I did my best on that. Okay, let's talk about the game, David. Uh, 104 to 102. Uh, Brandon Ingram, last shot of the game. Uh, he resorted for the three, tried to, to walk it off. Obviously, Drew Holiday and he both cited fatigue. Uh, I think Drew played 37 minutes. Ingram played 33. Nobody else played more than 30. Do you think opting for, for the three was just the, the best shot that he found available to him? Or do you think fatigue might have been a factor in choosing that shot? I was really surprised that that was the shot he took. I mean, there was a lot of time once he got the ball in because his dribble was really casual. It wasn't like he got to that spot quickly to assess and then, oh, okay, I I have to take this shot. There was time there um, from what it looked like, and it looked like Redick was also open for a moment there too, that it just felt like he settled. And and Brandon did not have a great fourth quarter offensively, so that was what made it even more surprising. And then you put it in the context of the game where he attacked the rim at the last moment and, and it took Gobert's foul that wasn't called for the game to end. I would have liked to see in that situation them, if Brandon has the ball in his hands, attack the basket. You have not been shooting it well. Make the refs make that call in that situation. And to settle for that jumper for anyone for other than Redick at that moment, I thought was a bad choice. Kevin, before we uh, continue on on that final possession, I just want to go back to fatigue, uh, something that Holiday and Ingram both referenced. And I, I talked about their minutes threshold. I think 10 of the Pelicans played 14 minutes or more. Eight of them played 20 minutes or more. When we look at the Jazz starting lineup, all five of them played 32 minutes or more. And Jordan Clarkson played 32 minutes. Are you surprised at how heavy the workload was for the Jazz starting five versus the Pelicans? A little bit. I mean, you know, they have less to play for than us. I mean, I think they're trying to make sure that they don't have to play the Clippers in the first round. And, you know, they want to get in, in, in game shape at it. I don't know what they did during the scrimmages. Do you know if they, like, didn't play the guys very much? I didn't really pay attention to them during the scrimmages. So maybe they felt like this game they needed a tune-up. Maybe they feel like this is a rivalry. I don't know. Maybe they just wanted to make a statement because weren't weren't the Pelicans favored in this game for some reason? Maybe they felt insulted uh, for that. Um, you know, there's a lot of factors. But I, I just I, – I really don't have an answer to that. I don't know. No, no, I, I just think it's interesting. They were a one-and-a-half-point favorite because, uh, as you mentioned, Oddshark, I'm sure, took into account how important this game is for the Pelicans. For the Jazz, who are fourth seed, there's no home court advantage, so there's no real advantage to winning these last eight games. Of course, you'd like to keep some of them to to avoid that seventh spot and playing one of the Clippers or the Lakers in the first game. I'm assuming that would probably be the Clippers. Uh, 
David, so we talked about that last possession. Let's just talk about the third and fourth quarter and and the collapse the Pelicans had after that dynamite second quarter where they went up by as much as 16 after trailing by 11, a 27-point swing. However, they came out, and I think the biggest sticking point we can probably all agree was on the defensive end. I thought they played so well in the first half. Uh, they kept the um, they kept them under 40% shooting in the first half. I don't remember specifically what it was. I think seven of their first 20 shots at, from – from the the 655 mark of the first quarter through the second quarter, they only scored four points, but they just got anything they wanted in the third and fourth quarter, David. Yeah, they, I mean, what they were 15 of 45 in the first half. Um, and then in the second half, they go 22 of 39. I mean, that's a huge, huge difference. Um, and most of those looks, when you're when you're the Jazz, I mean, you're talking about a lot of them around the rim a lot of them within 15 feet without within 10 feet of the basket. And so they were, the Pelicans were giving up those points in the paint again. Um, the second unit certainly did not do a great job defensively. They scored, but they couldn't stop anybody. And that interior defense, when Alvin went to that lineup, and I, I guess it was because of the foul trouble, when you essentially had Jackson Hayes and four guards on the court, that group can't do anything defensively. It just, it, they could not stop a soul. And I, I, I just you you watched it, and you watched the, the the Pelicans continue to be lazy with the basketball, turn it over um, in both halves. They were were not great at protecting the basketball, and the Pelicans also never got any easy buckets. Seven tr- fast break points for the Pelicans. That that's not who they are, and that's all. That's a function of their lack of being able to close out possessions defensively, which is something that we talked about a lot prior to these games starting. And it was their, their inability to, to take care of the basketball and protect the interior. Those were the three failures when they were playing at their worst. And that's what showed up tonight. Yeah. And a lot of the guys citing turnovers, I can see Ollie in one of our chat uh, referring to some of the post-game press conference answers being the turnovers were a, a large part of it as well. However, I'm not going to take that. That that always sounds like a typical excuse to me, specifically in this instance, when everybody's been off for four months, the jazz turned the ball over 20 times themselves. I think the Pelicans had somewhere near to 12 steals. Uh, Lonzo, Drew Holiday, Nicolo Melli each, I think got two to three each and Derek Favors had a few as well. So uh, that that's just going to take place with everybody out there. Um, Kevin, let's go over to you uh Brandon Ingram dynamite in the in the second quarter uh like we mentioned earlier kind of slowed down the third and fourth however you still saw that playmaking he still looks like a bona fide all-star uh had to be impressed with what he did however just in terms of what he has been giving us against the Utah Jazz previously was kind of underwhelming 23 points what did you think about his overall performance yeah I mean it was incredible in the first half and then he clearly cooled off a bit in the second half which you know is also something that can be expected with getting adjusted back from having all that time off and not playing long stretches of time in the scrimmages. Um, so conditioning is a thing. Um, but in the first half, I mean, he was just unbelievable. He couldn't miss. He could, he was getting to any spot he wanted to. His footwork was incredible. Um, it's just a shame that he went cold down the stretch because, you know, you know, things started to fall apart and, guys that were cold for the jazz start to get hot. And then, you know, as Grubb said, we didn't have a single big man play interior defense tonight. Um, so that was, uh, and that just resulted in this, the disappointment that we ended with. Yeah, I definitely want to, we have a lot of questions about that. Uh, the dominator asked why his favors moving so slowly go bear got behind him on multiple pick and rolls. Uh, uh, Drew Sokol says, why does Zion look like he has concrete in his shoes on D he didn't look that way at Duke. And I think I got 
one more. Well, I'll go ahead to, to Zion's plus minus, because obviously we know he did it on the offensive end, 13 points on eight shots. Uh, but his plus minus for the game was negative 16. It was by far the worst on the team. And Jackson Hayes had his struggles defensively. Let's talk about those three bigs, David, because we, we needed a bigger performance from them, specifically on the defensive end. And it seemed like specifically Jackson Hayes and Zion just got repeatedly beat and found themselves out of position. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Kevin and I were talking about this before we even started. You know, you just, they set the tone early with bad interior defense, um, A, by not protecting the lane on drives, but just their effort level. And that was the I think that was the most problematic thing for me was not that they failed, but that they really didn't try that hard. Um, Zion early, there was a turnover. Joe Ingles is coming down the court. He takes a bad angle. And again, this is Joe Ingles, who is a very good basketball player, but not the athlete that Zion Williamson is. And so you have Zion taking this bad angle. Joe takes a slow Euro step and lays it off the glass. And Zion doesn't touch him, doesn't, you know, put him into the, the, the stanchion, anything that would have at least made it say, made the Jazz think, okay, they're going to be physical. Because the Jazz came out with the game plan of, we know this team is weak in the middle. We're going to attack the middle. And the Pelicans never set a tone of, we're going to bump people as they cross. We're going to knock people down. Jordan Clarkson never hit the floor, it seemed like. And when Jackson Hayes was in the game, again, he doesn't box out. He was he retreated in the lane on multiple drives where he could have had opportunities to block shots. He continues to swing his arm rather than go vertical. Derek Favors allowed people to get too deep a few times. He really didn't have some didn't have bounce tonight. It didn't look like he had bounce. He did make some solid defensive plays. But then once you take those three away, then what do you have in the post? You have absolutely nothing. Brandon Ingram isn't capable of defending down there. And like I said, Zion and Jax have been negative defenders the entire season. So I think it's just they don't have enough up front on nights when they're not scoring from the outside to keep people from continuing to attack the, the basket. They don't have a real shot blocker. I mean, Jax is an opportunity shot blocker. Zion is not a shot blocker. And Derek's never been a great shot blocker. He's a rim protector. So they don't have anybody who can erase their mistakes either, like you saw Rudy Gobert do, um, particularly on one of those shots Zion took where he comes across the paint and just obliterates it. And the Pelicans don't have that guy. 56 point in, uh, points in the paint for the Utah Jazz tonight. Uh, a big uh, problematic area for the Pelicans. However, I know there's a lot of doom and gloom. Our threads are filled with fire gentry. Uh, here's, I, I won't cite the name because I'm sure he's really frustrated, but uh, basically some expletives and why do we insist on losing? Uh, a lot of stuff like that. However, the sky is certainly not falling. Uh, the, the Utah Jazz are 42 win team now. Uh, I think they're the fourth seed in the Western Conference. It's been four months. Uh, this is the Pelicans' first meaningful basketball in that time, and they came up just short, Kevin. Let's start talking about positives. Uh, obviously, Drew Holiday is still playing like an all-world defender. Um, on the offensive end, Zion pretty much got whatever he wanted whenever he wanted. Uh, J.J. Redick was electric, and he was all over the floor, specifically on the offensive And uh, What were some things that really stood out to you, Kevin, uh, in terms of positives? Yeah, I mean, J.J. getting to the rim was really nice. You see him add more diversity to his game, which, I mean, he has, but you don't see it on display a lot. You think of him as a jump shooter, but he was he had a lot of nice finishes around the rim. Um, Drew looked pretty good offensively. He was hitting jump shots uh, outside of his turnovers, you know, obviously, which I think he had six, which were which was tough. Oh, but, wow. um, you know, scoring-wise, he looked, he looked great. Um, 
and and you know Ingram, like we said, was phenomenal in the first half and into the third quarter. It's just he he wore down and got cold. Uh, I saw like you know Melly set a few nice screens. He had that one really bone crushing screen, which was nice to see. I thought Etwan was solid. I thought he probably should have got more minutes. He should have definitely got those Frank Jackson minutes um, in the third quarter. Um, and uh, and Lonzo, he you know he was running the offense okay, but his he just was taking bad shots. Like even like I, I love I, I I don't ever want to criticize when he attacks the rim because that's what I want him to do. But he took a lot of bad shots driving into a crowd in the rim when he could have passed out or, or just uh, dribbled out of it. Um, so he had a tough, a really tough night offensively. Um, but, you know, I expect him to rebound from that. And even he like took some three, like at least one three off the dribble, which he's, he hasn't gotten that yet in his game. Uh, he's great at the catch and shoot three, but the, the off the dribble stuff is uh, not, not there yet for him. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you can't complain too much about, uh, the offense, um, except for the turnovers, uh, which, you know, we already said, we already knew we're going to be high with uh, the layoff and the rust in the first game back and adjusting to certain guy like Zion playing three minutes, coming back and playing three minutes, you know, the weird sort of rotation things because we're the Pelicans and we can't ever start a season in a normal situation where everybody's uh, clipped in together to, to get the, uh, get the ball rolling. Um, but, you know, I think we all knew that this was going to be one of the toughest matchups and we played it down to the wire like we've had in all of the games really that we've played the Jazz so far. Um, it's just been a tough matchup for us this year because of that interior stuff. Um, so I'm not disheartened by it. I'm disappointed by it, but I don't think it's an indictment on um, us being a bad team or not winning games or not being able to get into that position for the playoff. It's just, you know, it's a tough opponent and we had a tough night and that's that's it. Kevin, I'm going to have you read the ad after uh, Grubb's next answer. Are you comfortable with that? I don't know if you sent it to me. Did you send it to me? I mean, I'd rather not read the ad, if I'm being okay. honest. Okay. I'll do it. Know. Okay, Grubb. I'll okay. do it. Send hold it to on. me. I'll do it. Let but you me... can give me the question, too. Okay, hold on. Let me. Because while you're doing this. that, I can say this. To what Kevin was saying. Yeah, I would be more disappointed had the Pelicans gotten blown out tonight. You know what I mean? If they had bl- gotten blown out, then you would say, I don't get this. But in those, again, those four games against the Jazz, you're talking about razor-thin margins where two of the three losses are settled by one possession. So you're playing a top-four team in the West, and each time you played them, pretty much it's gone down to the wire. Matchups are a big part of basketball, and we know that. So this is just a difficult matchup for the Pelicans, but even at that, it's basically a break-even matchup. So, yeah, if they don't, if they play better for really for two or three more minutes of the game, they win. So, yeah, I'm not going to freak out over this one. Um, they're still going to be favored in six out of the next seven. Uh, so, if they play well against the Clippers, I mean, that's going to be a much more you know realistic um, opportunity for them to surprise us, whether with a win or a loss in how they play. Um, so I, I want to see how they bounce back and what, what happens on Saturday because everything about today is just unusual. The game time itself is unusual. The location is unusual. The environment is unusual. So we'll see how everyone adjusts and what it looks like on, on game two. And I think that'll be when you start judging, just like we didn't look at the first two scrimmages and say, oh, these are definitive. You were far more encouraged by what you saw in the third game. 
well, now you've changed everything up again because, like you said, with Zion playing these infrequent minutes and everything that happened, it's just it's tonight is not, should not, and we hope not, is not the norm in a very unusual season and in a very unusual eight games coming up. Uh, Grub, I just saw your question. Sorry. If, I, I don't think ever in the history of our podcast, I think we've been doing this for three or four years. I don't think we've ever gotten as many questions as we are right now. So I'm just like all over the place trying to find them. Uh, I'll go over to Kevin next and then Grub, I'll have you read the Manscaped ad. Uh, it should be in your email box. Uh, Kevin, we're getting a lot of questions about Derek Favors. This one's from Cornelius. Uh, we also have one from Don Lynn. We have one from WNBA Lover. They all say he doesn't look right. And they're all saying that he's still pretty slow. And we remember that he wasn't up to 100% health during the regular season. We were hoping he was going to be a little bit more athletic. However, uh, our, our readers don't seem to think they saw uh, the benefits of that. What was your take on Derek Favors? Did you feel like he was holding the team back? Or, or do you feel like we're all missing something? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great question because what I was just about to say to um, Grubb's answer to that last question is just if we had like sort of even the hobbled regular season Derek Favors, if he played up to that level, you know, he would have probably saved two or three possessions at the rim and we might have won that game. Uh, I think he had a terrible game um, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Favors. Uh, I thought he would come back healthier, more mentally engaged, you know, the break. I thought it was probably good for him was a guy that I thought the break was going to be good for. And it's not to say that it's not going to be good for him long-term and that tonight wasn't just a flash in the pan. I don't know. I'm going to trust what I've seen from him throughout his career and think he's going to have a bounce back game, but he looked kind of like a rookie out there tonight. He got lost on, on defense a lot. Um, I saw a lot of guys slip by him. He just looked, his awareness seemed down and it, it never really mattered. So, I mean, obviously we saw him play when he looked healthy and he was, provided a huge impact, but even when he w- didn't look very healthy and he was hobbled, uh, he still was in the game mentally and still had an impact. And I just felt like we didn't even see that version of him tonight. So um, it's a little disappointing, but I'm going to trust the track record of his career more than I'm going to panic about one game. Um, and we'll see now if, if the next game we start to see the same thing, then you got to start thinking about changing lineups I don't know, maybe having Melly play more tonight might have helped if you could have drawn uh, Rudy Gobert out on the perimeter to sort of protect against that um, outside shooting that Melly provides and created some more driving lanes. Maybe that would have helped um, on the offense a little bit. But, I mean, offense wasn't necessarily the big problem tonight. It was really interior defense, and uh, Melly's not going to give you that. So I don't know um, – what the answer is. I mean, we all sort of thought that they should have made a move this season to get another veteran solid uh, defender in the post and that didn't happen. So now we're just dealing with what we we have. And um, I trust in Derek Favors. I think he'll bounce back, but he definitely, I mean, everybody's gripes about him tonight are justified. He had a terrible game. He always plays really well against the Clippers. So I I would trust that he's going to bounce back on Saturday. Grub, are you ready to read the Manscaped ad? I am. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> Go Do for I it. need to count it in? Just... <laughs> Whatever right. makes you comfortable. <laughs> oh, my God. Fuck. <laughs> Have you ever cut your balls when you were man curing sensitive testicular area? Gentlemen, I know I have. 
Start taking notes because Manscaped accidents are finally a thing of the past. This is their third generation trimmer featuring advanced skin safe technology. So you keep your bad boys nice and smooth as eggshells. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments in order to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. And they spent 18 months, 18 months. That's what? Twice as long as this pandemic perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 when i tell you this is premium i mean this is peruvian uncut premium fellas the battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can really get in the nooks and crannies when you shave (laughs) the water resistant technology allows you to get those bad boys while you're in the shower too okay so one of the coolest features is also this LED light, which illuminates your grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming because you can't have a dangle a dingling after <laughs> you're supposed to be done. All right? Let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. When your lady spends the night and she wakes up and goes to brush her teeth, see that she's got a man who cleans his balls. That's who you want to be. So many people have written in stories about a lawnmower 3.0 has changed their lives. They even included pigs so I could see the smoothness for myself. And though I was disgusted and though I was repulsed by the sight of strangers' balls, I understood. I understood their pride. You need to try this out for yourself. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you, and so will your lady. Yeah, I, I gotta say, if you take, if you gotta take ninety minutes to shave your junk, <laughs> your junk must be good at back threes. Because man, I, I think this is my favorite podcast of all time already. <laughs> so hopefully, I'm really glad we picked that to grow. I know my weakness, my strengths, and my weaknesses. I never have delivered on that. But you you finished that live though, Kevin. That was awesome, dude. You had that was the perfect end to that. Oh my God! Congratulations, David Grubb. Uh, I think I think some kind of award needs to be designated to no. you for that legendary performance. Uh, no, I could be the national spokesperson. No, congratulations, Manscaped. Because <laughs> that was they they loved I gave you the goods, Manscaped. I gave you the goods. You know, Andrew does, uh, he, he's, I guess, our producer. He does, uh, we send in some of our favorite clips of these ads. And I, I don't know if there's a bonus that comes with it anyway. I'll send it to him and see what he thinks. Let's get back to the pod. That was incredible. And I think if anybody is feeling sour after that loss tonight, their spirits have been uplifted now. And they're probably on their computers right now looking for this Manscaped kit so they can be as excited as David Grubb is. Uh, and that's an important thing, too, is to lift them up. You gotta lift them up. You just can't let them hang when you're shaved. And smooth as eggs, so you can leave the goatee. <laughs> oh god. Okay. The uh, soul patch. Okay. okay, Kevin. The Pelicans undervaluing the scrimmage games and getting starters minutes to work off rust, get a rhythm. Did they do that? What will Gentry's record have to be to justify keeping him next season? We'll start about that rhythm. Do you think the Pelicans starters played enough? I mean, no matter what happened in the first two games, it wouldn't have really mattered just because they were they weren't playing like they, you know the Nets team, like we said, is the backups to the backups to the backups to the backups. You know, 
like that that couldn't have really told you anything and then the the same thing with the nuggets game they had one active guard you know like what can you really learn about your team in those situations so i understood resting them a bit and they did play them more in the in the bucks game and that was important but you know it's always the same thing with us you know there's always like it, it's not there's just not consistency in the rotation because there's always somebody that's out and then somebody that's coming back. And it's, you know, it's always, there's always this wrench to start everything off. And again, we had that wrench tonight with Zion only being able to play 15 minutes and not having any time during the, uh, during the scrimmages to play with the team and barely getting a practice in. So, um, you know, all that rust is to be expected. And I, I don't think you can really criticize the coaching staff for how they handled the scrimmages. And in terms of Gentry, I mean, I think we talked about this before already, too. I know I talked about it on another podcast, um, is that you got to believe that whatever the future is for him has been decided before this Orlando situation even came about, because it's really unfair to uh, judge him off of something that is so unique and so different and creates so many different types of pressures and situations, um, I think, you know, they already have to know what they're doing with them going forward. If not, I think it's it's uh, irresponsible on their part, honestly. Um, and so I don't think that whatever happens here won't change their decision. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? A home security system that's so complicated you never use it. This is exactly the type of security system Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. They believe that simple is safer. And it's exactly why Simply Safe is the home security for right now, when feeling safe at home has never been more important. Simply Safe was named Best Overall Home Security of 2020 by U.S. News and World Report. Head to simplysafe.com/team and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com/team to make sure they know that our show sent you. As sports keeps coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball's back, and BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right. Visit BetOnline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. And don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back-to-sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, Grub, this is a two-parter from our chat window. Why did Zion continue to look so slow on D and how long will the medical staff to uh, continue to overprotect Zion's health? Uh, again, the Pelicans need to start winning these games. Well, I'll answer the second part first. And I'll say we have no idea if they're overprotecting him or not because we're not privy to the medicals. And we're not probably going to understand if they did tell us um, without someone else deciphering it for us. Uh, so that part is it's completely something that we can't speculate on unless the Pelicans tell us something. We can ask about it, um, but I doubt we'll get a clear answer on it. Now, as far as defensively, he hasn't looked good defensively this entire season. And if you want to talk about speed, what that comes from is decisiveness. In my opinion, the first part is just to be decisive about your actions. And that comes from knowing what you're supposed to do, understanding your responsibilities and having them committed, not having them, not having to think about them. And I think Zion is very much still in that place defensively. At Duke, he was allowed to roam because there was no one effectively on the floor who could get away from him. But now you're in the NBA, and these players have moves that you have not seen before. They have skills that you've not gone against before. You are asked to guard people you would never have guarded before. 
And I think that that adjustment is going to take time. Uh, so it's whether it's Zion, whether it's Jackson, whether it's Nikhil, all of them are struggling defensively when they're in the game because they're rookies. And so, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to get overly upset again about this for a guy who's playing his 20th game. Like, what, what are we expecting? We expect him to be DPOY in his rookie year? That's just not that, – that just wasn't plausible after missing as many games as he already had. Kevin, uh, this uh, listener uh, responded to David Grubb's uh, tweet asking for questions. And he said, yeah, here's one. What the hell? <laughs> I just enjoyed that one. It tickled me. Uh, that was from, I'm going to try this, T. Severusono. Um, I'm way off on that, I'm sure. Uh, Kevin, we do have another one. I'm scrolling back. Uh, it's basically just uh, relating to Lonzo Ball's performance. Again, we spoke about, th- about that. He was 2 of 13. Uh, didn't take the best shots, as you mentioned earlier. I think he had three turnovers. He was a little bit better on the defensive end. Uh, but this, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say his name, too. Just when Lonzo struggles like that, my third eye squinting. <laughs> what a name. Uh, when Lonzo's struggling like that, do you think it's up to the coaching staff to kind of defer some of his possessions to to Drew Holiday, to Brandon Ingram? That's when, when it appears that he doesn't have it. How do you shift that ownership of the offense away from him to someone else? Yeah, I mean, that's always a tough question because, like, that's your lead guard, you know, and and you want to believe that he's going to be able to snap out of it and take over and take control of the team and run the offense. The whole system is predicated on him being your lead guard and the guy that pushes the tempo, creates the space, uh, I mean, creates the pace. Um, so taking that away from him, then that sort of negates the other things he can do. And the, and the other things he can do is provide great perimeter defense, rebounds, um, and you don't have a lot of other guys that can do that besides like Josh Hart. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, we've seen what happened, what can also happen when you put the ball in Drew's hands, like you can get some bad Drew performances as well in that, in that uh, situation. Uh, he doesn't like being that lead guard. So um, it's a tough, it's a tough question. I mean, you, you would hope that he would bounce back and, and, and recover. I mean, even a guy like, like Jordan Clarkson, like look at his first half and then look at his second half, you know, like uh, totally different. So guys can definitely find a gear and, and, and even like JJ in the last scrim, uh, scrimmage where he, he was uh, ice cold and then he saw he hit that free throw. And then after that, he, he got um, super hot, you know, you have to trust that he's going to be able to do that. And Monzo's the kind of player you want to, you want to build his confidence. That's an issue with him a little bit. Um, so by taking him out and deferring to somebody else, you're not helping that situation. And I, I, I don't mind them sticking with him because he is such a talented player. And you hope that he, and a lot of it was just decision-making in terms of shooting. Like, you know, don't drive into a crowd of three people. Don't take a pull-up three, you know? So even if his shot's not falling, if he stops taking the bad ones, everything else will make him a positive contributor on the off, on, on, you know, on the game offensively and defensively so i don't think you necessarily need to uh shift the focus or um take take the reins out of his hands when he's struggling to to find a uh, jumper um grub i I was going to shift over to the jazz but i saw you just liked uh, a comment from alt blah blah hank uh he says (laughs) first time caller lol we all know hayes isn't ready but it's time to stop hiding under the charade of good worker favor's not good enough why does he never show on pnr and yet he still can't get rebounds. It's infuriating. Uh, let's let's focus on Jackson Hayes here uh, because I wrote a column probably about a month ago about uh, just how good he's been offensively in spurts, but really has not given too much on the defensive end. 
And it almost appears, Grub, as if he's regressed, if that's possible. Do you do you feel like the Pelicans are failing to develop him? I don't know. At this point, again, when we talk about Jackson, we have to keep remembering that he's only played two legitimate years of organized basketball, and none of them were at this level. Um, I do have, and, and I am on record, and I don't back down from these that I'm on record questioning his maturity. But again, at 19, there, it, it, this is all so. With Jackson, it just, yeah, it did not look good tonight. He didn't look good in the preseason to me in those exhibition games. I didn't think he looked good. Um, I don't think he gets it. And I don't think he understands that he has a problem defensively because he said it himself. When he said, you know, asked straight up, I asked him in a press conference and he says, I didn't struggle on defense this year, but there are a couple of things I can do better. Then that to me is about self-awareness and you can't coach self-awareness. So for Jackson, I want to see that. I want that to, that to resonate with him because at least I feel with Zion and Nikhil at this point, though they may for Nikhil, I think he overtries when he's trying to fix his mistakes. And I think Zion is still trying to understand his, but if you're, if you're, um, Jackson Hayes and you think you're not making mistakes, then that's a big problem to me. Uh, Kevin, I want to shift this because it's it's definitely getting pretty toxic in some of our threads. And I understand I'm frustrated too, especially when you lose in, in a manner like that, when uh, you're all feeling as confident as we are after the way the Pelicans finish the season. However, we, we got to tip our hats to the Jazz too. I, I know that, um, I can't think of the word right now, but uh, but I, Kevin, Royce O'Neal was, I thought he was tremendous on the defensive side of the floor as a perimeter defender. He he defends Brandon Ingram, <clears throat> excuse me, like very few players do. And Donovan Mitchell at the end of the game with just 10 seconds left or whatever it was, he managed to blow by Drew Holiday, something very few guys can do. He got to the, he was able to get to the rim. He got to the foul line and he hit both of his shots. The Jazz did what they needed to do to win this game, despite that struggle from the first quarter midway through the second what did you think about the jazz do you think they played well enough to win or do you think the pelicans just collapsed yeah i mean i think it was a a little bit of both but you know it's a tale of two halves with the jazz i mean especially like we talked about donovan mitchell and um and uh jordan clarkson who both pretty like invisible or, or if not terrible in terms of jordan clarkson he was awful in the first half but they got they really got it going in the second half. And part of the reason they got it going, it, the Pelicans just stopped, just stopped playing interior defense. And they're getting easy buckets. And then once you start seeing the ball go through the hoop, you know, um that for for guys like Clarkson and and um and Mitchell, that that you know, that's all they need to get so it, it was a little bit of both. Um, I don't think they really changed up a lot of what they did. They It's just the Pelicans just could not put together any kind of interior defense. And even, like, as always, rebounding was an issue. I mean, we saw possessions where, where the Jazz got, like, four shots on a possession. Um, so those kind of things, it's just the, the typical things that the Pelicans do bad get amplified against this team and because of the way that this team plays and the kind of players that they have. I mean, I thought Mike Conley was playing better than he's played most of this season also, uh, especially in the first half. He was keeping them afloat in the first half when the Pelicans uh, were really hot. So um, you got a little little bit better game out of him. I just think it was, you know, I, I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's just the matchup. There's just a, This team is a bad matchup for us, and that's really all it is. 
All right, Grub. We're going to go ahead and move on. I know this was a tough mm-hmm. loss, and I know we want to sit in it uh, for a while because uh, every single game matters, and I know I'm getting that in a lot of our threads. There's only eight games left. We have to keep ahead of the the Spurs, the Kings, the Blazers, uh, amongst others, in order to trigger that play-in with the Memphis Grizzlies. I get it, but it's just one game. We knew it was going to be tough. We know that Saturday is going to be tough. The Los Angeles Clippers are playing the Los Angeles Lakers right now. I think they're trailing by five, uh, but if, if, if the Pelicans can steal one of these games, it's going to be huge, Grub, because then their <clears throat> their schedule is really going to loosen up after that. So right. how how critical is this game to the Clippers right now? Are you expecting a Pelicans win? Or are you expecting uh, what could be another painful loss? I mean, I think it's going to be a game that's competitive because you have to remember, remember, Lou Williams isn't going to play. So that takes away a very serious weapon and someone who plays a game similar to what Jordan Clarkson is, you know, did tonight. So you take away Lou Williams, that's a big loss. Um, I think the Pelicans, it it also depends on how the Clippers approach these games too. If they win tonight over the Lakers, do they take a little time off in their second game? You know what I mean? Because for them, it's it's almost impossible for them to catch the Lakers. And for them, four and four keeps them in the two spot. So a win tonight may change their attitude about how they play um, in the second game. Uh, so I think there's a lot still at, uh, at play, but I don't think the Pelicans are going to embarrass themselves against the Clippers. I think they have a chance to win that game, and I would give it, you know, I'd give it even money at this point, um, not knowing what we don't know. And then, like you said, beyond that, the other six games, I would make the, the Pelicans, by the time you get to game four, this whole thing is going to be so different anyway because certain teams will already be gone as far as their chances for the postseason. Sacramento will be done. Phoenix will be done. San Antonio will likely be done um, by the time you get to game four. This is really, to me, about the Blazers. And so if the Pelicans are doing anything, it's watch out for the Blazers. Yeah, just remember, uh, after the Clippers on Saturday, the Pelicans then face the Grizzlies. Then they get two days off before they face the Kings. Then they get the Wizards, then the Spurs, then the Kings, then the Magic. The Magic are likely going to have nothing to play for at that point. The Kings might be uh, mathematically eliminated. The Spurs might be mathematically eliminated. The Wizards, we assume, will be mathematically eliminated. So it's uh, this is going to be the, the most difficult stretch, the Jazz tonight and the Clippers on Saturday. Kevin, how um, how much do you value that matchup with the Clippers? Yeah, I mean, I think this could be something that's really good for the Pelicans because all the reasons Grubb said, but also because they're um, kind of weak on the inside. That's that's like their weakness on the team is is the big man position. And Harold's not playing tonight, and I don't think he's playing. Tom- probably won't play against us as well, right? Um, do you guys know that for sure? Or not? looking at it right now, um, but he's definitely not playing tonight. If he doesn't play. Um, Saturday, then it's really like Zubach, and then you're gonna have like um, uh, what's his name, the stretch four Patterson. Uh, so and, and uh, Michael Green, Morris, yeah, yeah, J. Michael Green. So, like, that's they don't have that tough interior offensive player that's gonna cause all kind of problems for you. Now, you're gonna have guys that can get to the rim, um, from the perimeter. So you got to hope your perimeter defense holds up and helps out the interior defense. But in terms of, uh, you know, it's not going to be that that tough matchup on the inside like it was tonight. 
Yeah, there will be no Harrell. He's not even in Orlando yet. That's as of yesterday. Uh, So he's going to need to quarantine as soon as he gets there. So he absolutely is not going to play against the Pelicans. But we did mention, as Grubb said, Marcus Morris. Uh, We mentioned Patrick Patterson. Michael Green is another long, stretchy big who can give you problems. But Zubach is not like, you know, he doesn't. You don't have to fear Zubach too much. He's yeah, big, Michael but... Green, though, for some reason, gives the Pelicans problems at times. He's had some. He had, when he was with Memphis, he had he gave the Pelicans some some nice games. Yeah, but he, when he gives you problems, it's more from the outside of him. True, true. Stretching. So, like, I'm worried about interior defense more than perimeter. No, I really like what he does defensively. Uh, he always seemed to give Anthony Davis trouble, but he was also always hurt. So uh, whenever we played the Grizzlies, I, I think uh, he was playing defending Davis really well and then went down late in the first, and then we took off and and really blew the doors off from there. Uh, so Reggie Jackson is starting for them. Wow, I am surprised to see that. Patrick Beverly is going to be coming off the bench. Landry Shamit coming off the bench. So let's close with this, Grub. Uh, it was a tough loss. Uh, it's our first game back. However, I think overall... The Pelicans played pretty well. They fought till the end. Uh, they were, you know, one basket from winning it, not even necessarily just sending it to overtime. What are some positive takeaways uh, to take forward from this game until Saturday? Like I said, they they were there. Um, they had an opportunity to win the game. Um, this is still a team that we know has struggled with closing, but I think these are the kinds of things that that push you to the next level. You don't start at the top and the Pelicans are fighting their way through these things. Um, so I think you take that away. No one got hurt tonight, which is always important in any of these. You didn't see anybody walk away with any kind of injuries. You still um, are a deep team. Um, you just played against a team that has been a tough matchup. So I don't take a lot of negatives away. My positives are that look, they, they look, they still look like a basketball team that wants to play with each other. The layoff didn't change who they are fundamentally as people and as teammates. So I think that's something that you wanted to see is that there's still there's still the Pelicans, for better or for worse. They're still the Pelicans. And tonight they just the, the things that they don't do well caught up and bit them in the ass. But overall, I you have I feel more good about this than bad. All right. I think that's a pretty positive way to get out of here. Kevin, is there anything we missed that you wanted to talk about? No, I would just say I was like Pleasantly surprised with Drew Holiday's offensive output scoring-wise. Um, so that was another positive, and J.J. showing some real diversity uh, getting to the rim. So those are other things that I think um, were, were really good positive notes. All right, great. Uh, you guys know that you can follow David at DM Grub. You can also follow his podcast, Hard in the Paint. Uh, David, do you want to tell our readers slash listeners what you got coming up? Uh, tomorrow it's probably just going to be me um, talking about basketball um we've had some, a great week again so we had like scoop b uh brandon robinson was on today um and we've had uh, some great football talker ross jackson so there's always something for everybody uh so just check it out great and kevin b for bounce uh you're uh, i'm not gonna get this wrong again uh colored colored pencil drawings yes Yes, uh, you've got some beautiful ones. Guys can check out that. If anybody's interested in purchasing one, they can reach out to you specifically at Kevin B for Bounce. Anything else you want to tell our listeners? First of all, the proper terminology, Kevin, is African-American pencils. <laughs> oh, God. And not colored pencils. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm glad we can still laugh. <laughs> Rob, you're on fire tonight, man. We are laughing. <laughs> we are Anchorman. <laughs> you ought to roll right into your uh podcast to- tomorrow right now, man. You're on fire, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, so I got that going on. Uh, we are going to, uh, Gio and I are going to go out of town this weekend out to that, um, her dad's girlfriend's uh, schoolhouse art commune place out in Mississippi. So I'll be hanging out there. I'll, I'll watch the game from there. So if you'll do a pod, I'm not going to be on the pod because I'm a little bit on a little vacation mode and get away out of the city for a little bit. Um, but it's just for the weekend. I'll be back. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. Uh, I'm Preston Ellis. You guys can follow me at Preston Ellis. Thank you so much for supporting the pod. And thank you so much for all the questions. Uh, We really enjoy uh, this moment with you guys. I know it's some normalcy. I know it's painful, but hey, we all get to to wallow in it together. So that's pretty cool. Uh, If you can do us one more favor, just uh, rate, subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Uh, If you have, go over to Grubs, Harden the Paint. Please do that as well. Uh, For now, we got a game on Saturday. So let's buckle up and let's uh, brace in because it's going to be an important one. And we will cover that one as well for you guys. For now, let's dance and let's go, pals. Thank you for listening to the Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Black Lives Matter, and we're continuing to do our part here at the Bird Calls. That's why we've created the Armchair All-American Scholarship. Thanks to contributions from Armchair, myself, Music is My Refuge, R. Anders 36, Andrew Juge, Ralph Malbro, and many more, Armchair Media will be issuing four $500 scholarships per semester to aspiring black creatives. The criteria is African-American, under 21, and in a creative field. To apply, send something you've created, whether photography, art, music, anything, to scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. We can't wait to see your application.